Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 17 years and just about seen it all. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Great job, Chris. You did it! This is the second time you've ever made it through that whole sentence and not said herpes. It's a tongue tie. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and what a great segue to introduce our, our, our guest, Marcel. Oh, wait. There's no reason that that's connected at all. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did, how did I get immediately tied to herpes? That's I have no like. idea. <laughs> Welcome Who's to the podcast, Marcel. <laughs> If you guys haven't noticed, we have a guest on us with us today, Marcel Lejeune from Catholic Missionary Disciples. He's a good friend of mine, husband and father. Marcel, anything else you want to say about who you are and I don't know what what passions you have? Uh, I'm bald and uh, I love Jesus and I run a lot. Amen. Well, today's topic is one that um, I've wrestled with and I don't know if other people in ministry wrestle with this, but is there a way to, I don't know, gauge the level of discipleship at your parish. So how do we know if if the efforts that we're doing to create disciples, to create missionary disciples, if they're actually bearing fruit? And is it is it even our job to to measure those things? What does that look like? Are there questions that we can ask Marcel that you know someone can give an, an, a quick, easy answer to to gauge discipleship? Uh, the answer is yes, you can gauge discipleship. The answer also is it's hard to do so. Um, yeah. So what I've found is there's really only one surefire way to know whether discipleship is working and whether somebody's living out the gospel message, whether somebody's really truly following Jesus is growing. And that ultimately comes down to, you have to know them. Um, You have to know the person. And until that relationship in some way is formed, there's very little that you can do. Now, second to that, uh, the best thing is to interview people to sit down and ask them a bunch of questions and say, you know, where are you? Tell me about your prayer life. How would you describe this? Well, how's your relationship? You know, if I, if I said a personal relationship with Jesus, what does that mean to you? Do you feel like you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I think those are the kind of big, broad, uh, bold questions that you need to ask people in an interview. And then you can go back to the same person in a year, two years and say, you know, you know, go back right through those questions and see, has there been growth or is there a steady uh, thing that's going on? You know, there are some people and there's some large organizations who do sophisticated surveys and Uh analysis and all this other stuff. And I think that might be able to get you some insights. I don't, but I don't think it's a fail proof way of really measuring discipleship. I think there are some limitations to that stuff. So you, you run an apostolate, you run an organization where you are, building up disciples and not yeah. necessarily at a parish wide level. Um, you're, you're looking at building it at least in the leadership mm-hmm. and then going from there. And so measuring that is, I don't know. It, it's like, you want to know that you're doing a good job. You want to yeah. know that you're doing what you're setting out to do. How do you, yeah, how do you do that? Chris, did you have something to say? Yeah. I was wondering maybe the question in a different way, is there a way to gauge, uh, gauge it by the fruits of discipleship? So yeah. if I'm in a parish and uh, a year from now, we're experiencing X, Y, or Z that we didn't experience last year, then we know that we're making strides in the right direction. What would some of those be, Marcel? Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I would tell people metrics are not contrary to ministry. 
Yeah. Um, so we have to be very careful about this. Well, there, there's a subjective and an objective thing that we need to be measuring. So first of all, at a parish level, you want to be tracking numbers. Immediately after Pentecost, they went out of the streets, they preached the gospel, and they tell us 3,000 people were saved. They were baptized that day. Okay, that means the apostles had metrics. Yep. And we have to know that. So how many baptisms? How many people are coming to church? How many people are being confirmed? How many people in RCA? How many kids in the youth group? Those are all objective things that we can track. And it's good to know those things because over the course of years, you're going to start to see some trending. You'll know, well, if our bapti infant baptisms or adult baptisms have dropped by 75% over the last 15 years, we got a problem. Yeah. So we have to have the objective stuff. It's the subjective things that I'm talking about. That's a lot. You know, how do you measure conversion? Yeah. How do you how do you measure virtue? How do you measure the the life of prayer? Those are a lot harder. And that's when it, when I'm saying that you you can only do that in a relationship or get to know somebody. That's really what I'm talking about there. So it's a both and. I don't think we want it either or here. So. In my own stuff, you know, I'm working, I do a lot of ministry coaching. I do a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, but I also do some small group stuff with leaders. And, and a lot of it is pastoral uh, methodologies. And one of the things that I've learned, um, and, and a friend asked me this, you know, after my end of my first year starting this new organization said, what have you learned in the last year? And I thought about it for a minute. And the number one thing I said was, you can't take anything for granted. Mm. Um, so while I'm getting to know folks, what I'm starting to learn is there are, there are a number of people who are in leadership positions who are struggling in their discipleship. Some of yep. them aren't even disciples. Right. So yep. all of those things, you know, until you get to know somebody, you, you don't know where somebody is. So I stopped taking things for granted. I stopped making assumptions with how I was working with people. And it changed how I did the ministry and helped them do their ministry. So just, just to pause for a moment, I, I know that there's some ministry leaders out there when you said some people aren't even disciples. Yeah. And and they, they were either convicted or terrified by that reality because it <laughs> makes it's introspection. But then the flip side of it is, is what if you are underneath, whether it be a supervisor or, or even, God forbid, a pastor who's mm -hmm. not a disciple? Um, can you still be fruitful can someone who's not a disciple still be fruitful in making disciples? And if so, how? Uh, yes, but to a much lesser extent. So we have to remember that it's not us that makes a disciple. Right. It's it's God's grace, right? And so we're the instrumentation of God's grace. Uh, the more open we are, the more we receive God's grace, the more we're in a, in a, in a, this, 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 you know, I, how would how would I want to say it? I guess it's it's a status of receiving in a sense. You know that it's kind of this Marian reception, who Mary always received and then poured out into others. The more we can do that, the better vessel, the better instrument we're going to be to help make disciples. So, can somebody who is not a disciple make disciples? Well, God God's that powerful that He could do that. Is it going to be somebody's going to be very fruitful? Absolutely not. Now, grace still works. So a priest who is not a disciple is still giving us grace in the Eucharist, in sacrament of confession. It's not dependent upon his status. Mm. But to really be able to raise somebody up as a fruitful disciple, if they don't know how to do it, and if they're not living out their own discipleship, of course, it's going to undercut the efforts of being fruitful. So it's, you know, if you want to be a more fruitful disciple, then continue to grow on your discipleship. Um and if somebody's yeah. not a disciple, especially if, a, if they're a boss, 
who's above them, who, who doesn't care for this, who thinks it's all a bunch of, uh, you know, talk and new buzzwords for the Catholic stuff, or, oh, it's too Protestant or whatever. Um, we have to understand that in the model of Jesus Christ, he called us first to follow him. Remember, he goes to the shore of his disciples and he says, come follow me. But what's the result of following him? That's not the end. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that took three years. Yeah. That took three years of intense personal life on life, walking behind Jesus and learning what this means. And they still screwed up at the end of this all. (laughs) Um, So it's, but what ended up happening was they then opened themselves up to this receptivity of the Holy Spirit. And once they received that in Pentecost, then they became so much more fruitful. We see it spilling out to where it can't be contained. And then a few generations, what ends up happening, they change the world. Yep. Um, Yep. So, so I, I think, again, sorry, I, that's a long blabbered answer to a small little question that you have. Well, I, I, I think you know, to dive in a little bit deeper on this. So you, you've, you've heard the terminology lead up, you know, yeah. trying to help your boss become a better leader and doing what you can to help them be a better leader. Well, can you disciple up? Um, that's a tough <laughs> question. But here's the thing. Um, okay, so. In the structures of the church, let's just put it that way. First of all, we have a hierarchy for a reason, okay? The natural order of things is that somebody who is in a position of authority should be discipling those who they lead, uh, or at least be furthering their discipleship. Let's put it that way, okay? It doesn't mean I have to personally be the one who's responsible for somebody's walk. That doesn't always happen, right? And so there are times where somebody who structurally might be um, you know, following in one sense, but leading spiritually or leading in mission, leading in another way. So that can certainly happen. I don't think it can be a holistic kind of leadership um, or discipleship model where, you know, that person, because it's just naturally disordered in a sense. Yeah. Um, so always, I think the old, the thing we always want to look for is, is somebody at a, and let me, let me put it this way. There are some organizations right now um who are doing a really good job with discipleship uh, and they're trying to do parish missionaries. And what ends up happening is a lot of people who are willing to do a missionary lifestyle are younger adults. Yep. Let's say, let's say a 25 year old guy, he's married, he's got a kid. Um, that guy's really going to struggle trying to disciple a man of my age. I'm 45. Okay. Yep. If, if you try to disciple, I got a kid in college. Okay. Closer to that 25 year old, if you tried to come and disciple me, lead me, I'm the one who has more experience in family, marriage, raising kids, job, and other stuff. Now, that person may be more mature spiritually, but the natural order of things is kind of messed up. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be a, a much harder struggle to, to kind of disciple up. Well, in, in that instance, I think it's a lot easier than it, when it's your boss, you know, and, yeah. and all, it all boils down to relationship. And that's what you were talking about. Yeah. If, if this young man you know, saw you as someone who he wanted to disciple, it would, it would be a covert mission. You know, he wouldn't say, Hey, do you want me to disciple you? Cause that would not necessarily work out well, but by developing a relationship with him, eventually he may say, Hey man, what is it about you? Like you get this differently than Mm -hmm. I do. Can, can I learn from you? And so that's how that would work. But I would like, really like to see if there's any way that we can, I mean, the three of us are I mean, we have a lot of experience in, in ministry and in discipleship. I'd like to find a way to, I don't know, give recommendations to those ministry leaders out there whose boss, whether it's the pastor or, you know, someone else in, in the hierarchy of their parish, isn't a disciple. 
you know, what can they do practically to, to help further things along without jeopardizing their job or, you know, creating a weird relationship? The first thing I would say, and maybe you guys can build off it, but uh, just to spark a discussion is I would pound the drum for what the vision of a disciple is supposed to be. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times a leadership is supposed to, you know, a, a good leader should part of what the leader should do is vision cast. Right. Yes. And unfor- unfortunately, we haven't got very good vision casters in the Catholic Church in a lot of pastoral levels right now. And that limits, therefore, what that organization can do. But I have had the experience of having uh, a boss, and I won't tell you who it is, who didn't catch the vision of what, you know, a disciple should be, what evangelization ought to do, kind of stuck in this is the way we've always done it, right? And I pounded the drum for several years. This is, this is the role of the church. This is the vision of Jesus Christ. This is how we ought to do this. And I think the pounding of the drum, over time, he could no longer deny, you're right. That's it. Um, And this, this, it's not from Marcel. This is from the church. This is from Jesus. This is of God. And therefore he had to make a decision at that point. Once he realized that he started to catch the vision, either I start to live this out or I'm going to have to answer for this. And he started to live it out a little bit more and it changed the direction of our organization because then he started to cast the same vision. Boom we're all on the same page and moving forward. So I think that could be part of what you can do is help, help pound that drum. Uh, you know, don't give up. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of I the like ways, that. one of the ways you can pound the drum uh, just in regards to practically is if you're having a meeting with your supervisor, start in prayer. It's going yep. to be awkward. It's going, it already is awkward. Like if this is your situation, it already is awkward, but start with prayer, close with prayer uh, ask clarifying questions. Help me understand how, uh, how how this fits into the vision of evangelization that our parish has. Well, that's not the vision of our parish. It's like, what? well, then what is the vision of our parish? And you might see kind of a, a tangent that's like, well, actually over here it connects. So let's, let's, let's lie in that area. Okay, so you mentioned this is our vision. This aspect of the vision really falls under evangelization. And find those, find that common ground and then live there. That's yeah. what I would recommend. Absolutely. And if... Um, in, in the praying, if we just want to get real practical, you know, a lot of times, um, <laughs> those of us who have a real lived relationship with Christ, you know, can be very passionate and fervent in our prayer. And that's, that's a great thing. One of the things that we want to do is make sure that, that, that that style of prayer is accessible. I was, mm-hmm. someone, you know, told me a long time ago, you don't have to pray for two minutes. And when you pray for two minutes or whatever, the people that don't know how to pray like that, they actually feel intimidated. Like they even get less confident in the ability to pray spontaneously with others. Mm. So make it a simple prayer. Jesus, thank you for today. Please be here. Amen. Like that's it. Oh, anybody, like most people that hear prayers like that, it's like, oh, I can do that. You know, and so just make it accessible in a way. Uh, and like you said, pray. If they say, hey, I'll open this up in prayer, say, okay, great. Can I close this? You know, and just that's that's a very practical way to do that. Marcel, you had raised your hand. I don't know if you were just preaching. That I was, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Um, the, uh, one of the thoughts I had is depending on what area of ministry you are leading, whether it's RCIA, whatever, mm-hmm. if you're a disciple, you're going to, you're going to have a chance to bring in other speakers. And the sad truth is 
All it takes to be an expert is 100 miles in a briefcase, right? So if you are in that parish, for some reason, if you've been there a long enough time, they'll, like, you are almost like white noise, you know, to everyone else on the parish staff um, or everybody else that you're working with. If you bring in someone from outside to say the exact same thing that you've been saying, all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. You know, I want to do that. So it may be that you bring in a speaker for your group and you invite the whole staff to come be a part of it. And it's a speaker that you know is meant to to light a fire. Yeah. I think that, you know, even Jesus had to experience this, right? Yep. Uh, a prophet is not respected in his own country. I mean, it's, oh my gosh. I mean, he got, <laughs> Capernaum, it's his hometown and here he is. He's, nobody wants to do anything. He can't perform miracles because of their lack of faith. Yep. Holy, this is Jesus. Um, so <laughs> why would it, why would it be any different with you and me? Um, yeah. There's sometimes where the familiarity leads to kind of, I don't know if I'd call it contempt, but more of like, well, we're just going to ignore you. Um, yeah. Because, well, I don't, I don't want to listen to Chris. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody that lives north of Austin knows we don't listen to Bartlett. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, if Matt, my mom listens to this podcast, be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what, what if we just plop Matt Rice down in there for about 36 hours? I mean. Uh, shaking the ground. It's like an earthquake just hit. Yeah. It's silly. Um, it is silly, but it's also, it makes sense. I mean, think about this. What about your kids? You tell your kids, uh, it's like water on a rock, right? You know, I'm going to tell yeah. you, get it again. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And then lo and behold, somebody else they respect says the same thing. Boom. Hey. Yep. So yes, uh, absolutely. I think that's part of it. The other thing, you know, remember these, these people that you're trying to work with, it's hard. But you can't give up hope. Um, yep. One of the things, if you give up hope, then um, what what hope do they have if they're yep. not a disciple? So yep. your task here is is not necessarily to be the agent of change. It's to just say, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can today with what I've got because the Lord has gifted me with this and he's promised he's going to show up. Um, and I know he wants this more than I do. So I don't need to give up. You know, yep. God's in charge of this. So you mentioned a prophet isn't welcome in their own town. And I think sometimes we can have that same mentality, whether it be our supervisor or, you know, I hear a lot about, okay, the, the parish business administrator does this and then everyone else does ministry. And I, I don't think that that's true. And I know that it's not true everywhere. But if your supervisor or your, someone who is in charge of the ministry that you lead, whether it be your pastor or whoever, uh, if they have shown signs that they're not living a, a life of a disciple and then they start living the life of a disciple, they start showing aspects of it. I know that in the past when that's happened for me with other people, I doubt whether or not it's authentic. I do the same thing that the people did to Jesus back in his hometown, and I doubt whether or not it's authentic. So we have to be wary of it as well because God's transformational love isn't just for those that we seek to, to, that we personally are in charge of. It's also for us. It's also for those that supervise us. It's also for those that lead us. It's for the bishops who, 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 who we feel like mismanage certain things in the church, you know? And, and so we have to keep that in mind and not give up that same hope. And we also have to be positive when we do see those changes in people, right? Uh, yep. Give them, tell them, I've seen the fact that you've been going to the chapel every day to pray before you come to work. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and I really want to, you know, tell you that I, I noticed that and I've been praying for you that that continues. You know, a little statement like that can really help to edify somebody um, when they're moving into discipleship or if they, you know, a deepening of a conversion or a reconversion or whatever is going on. 
So we're talking yeah. about terms. I, I want to just clarify terms for our listeners. So, and you mentioned from the calling, I will make you fishers of men. They weren't fishers of men just by saying yes. You know, he's like, come yeah. follow me and I will make you. What is someone who's not yet a disciple, but maybe is active in parish life in a variety of ways? What, what What's a fair way to define them? What is someone who's either on the road or not yet a disciple, but, but kind of just there? Um, well, there is a pre-discipleship phase. I mean, the church calls it kind of the pre-evangelization or evangelization phase. So this pre-evangelization phase, which is very early on, is really relationship building so that you earn the right to be heard, right? And these are a lot of people who, you know, they can be anywhere on what Sherry Waddell calls her thresholds, um, right. which I think are very helpful there. Um, but a lot of people are probably in somewhere from, uh, you know, that they're seeking or they're, they're somewhere uh, pre-disciple. In other words, that they've never intentionally, with a choice, said, I want to drop my nets at the Sea of Galilee and follow Jesus Christ. And a lot of Catholics, unfortunately, they stop and think, well, man, that does, God, that sounds so Protestant and altar call-y. Um, uh-huh. But there's language that the church always used throughout her history, talking about this relational aspect that each one of us need to respond, that it's our responsibility of taking ownership of our own faith to say yes to the grace that God gives us. Because we have to remember this, and this I think this helps a lot of Catholics when I say this. Grace is not magic. Grace doesn't work without your consent. Yep. Um, in the sense of, is grace here? So when I go receive baptism, does grace change my soul? Yes, my soul is changed. When I receive the Eucharist, do I receive grace? Yes, I have grace. But that grace is not necessarily operative unless I consent to it. Okay, so it's like this. When I got married to my wife, when you guys married your wives— Um, we had to have co-consent. That is that I had consent that I was going to marry her. She consented to marry me. That made the marriage. That actually is what sacramentally gave us the marriage. Now we're married. Um, It's the same kind of thing when it comes to discipleship. Jesus has already consented. He wants to have this relationship with us. Now it's our job to say, I consent. I want this. I'm going to drop my nets. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. That makes a disciple. We move into discipleship phase, and discipleship phase is really about growth. It's growth in prayer and virtue in evangelization and, you know, kicking out the sin and being a better father, husband, mother, whatever you're doing. Um, it's all those things and more because it's now how do I follow? How do I live out this intentional decision that I've made? Just like, you know, now I want to be a better husband because I've consented. I want to be this. The difference here is that you can, you know, you can never be unmarried if you're validly married until death, Right. Right. The difference is that we can mortally sin and move out of discipleship. That's mm. the difference. Otherwise, the analogy, I think, really fits. Yeah, I like it. And I think it's important to note that it's not just like the the fruits of discipleship or the, the habits of discipleship. It's actually kind of the sacrifices of a disciple. Being a disciple is demanding. And, and those demands are exactly what grow us into uh, better disciples. So it, I, I just sometimes I think that the, the VBS kind of flowers and puppy dog ignores the, 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 the Good Friday of the, of the Catholic faith journey. And every disciple has has uh, has a Good Friday type of yeah. demands. And, and, and I don't want to get too serious. So I want to examine flowers and puppy dogs. How did how did those two get together? Chris, can you explain that to me? I don't understand this image. If there's one image I'm completely lost, it's flowers and puppy dogs. It's, it's mutual beneficial. The flowers make people smile, and then the dogs keep the flowers alive by micturating on them. 
You know that like dog pee kills flowers, right? <laughs> no, because I'm not a flower and puppy dog guy. I'm a Good Friday guy. That's why I have oh. no idea about that. Oh. Our, my bad too. I'm sorry I brought that back up. I, my God, I, I have a puppy dog somewhere in my house. She's probably nectarating on my carpet. Pretty sure that was the word you used. It is. Yep, that's his favorite word for like everything. <laughs> oh man. All right. So is is it? kind of pie in the sky thought to to think that a pastor can can look out at his his congregation periodically Mm -hmm. and just think yes what we are doing is bearing fruit you Mm -hmm. know is there a way for them to get a sense of you know is discipleship growing in my parish or is it really just gonna have to be one-on-one yes and yes uh yeah i mean ultimately i think there are ways to gather some of this information to start to see trending to understand that i think you also will start to see when you hear people's stories of conversion, right? Oh, mm. you know, father, or, you know, you're talking to the DRE or youth minister, you know, they, they start to hear the stories of, well, this person's life was changed, or I know that so-and-so went on a retreat and they started coming to adoration. All of those kind of things, I think it's, it's a gathering of information. Some of it, again, is subjective. And the subjective part bothers a lot of people who are trying to track this. And I I will tell you this, continue to track the objective, but while you're kind of bothered by the subjective, be okay. Because um, one of the things I really like to, to, to live by in ministry is, is never, never accept a label in place of a story. Okay. Mm. So if you're having somebody just fill out a survey and it says, you know, where are you on your life of discipleship, Mark, A, B, C, D, E, you know, a level of what you, the problem is a lot of people self-identify incorrectly. You know, they say, well, I'm a cradle Catholic. I've always been Catholic. I love Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you've intentionally chosen to follow him and you made it your own. You have this personal relationship that forged in prayer in a daily way and all the other stuff. That's not a judgment upon your soul. It's rather what we're trying to do is assess where somebody is so that we can get to know them. And that can only be done in store, Um, only be done in story. So the reason why we want these stories and we want to start to get to know people and we want to start to hear them is so that we can personalized ministry, because that's really what ministry is supposed to be, uh, is a personalized thing. Now, in the context of a parish where you have hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who are coming, it's harder to personalize, which is why we have to break down the community. We have to systematize smaller things um, and start to really program for that. And that's that's the trick and the hard part of trying to turn ministry today into what it ought to be today using the models and strategies of Jesus in today's context. You know, we don't want to, we can't go back to first century Christianity, but we can use the concepts, the principles and other things and apply them into where we are today and then try to live them out. Great. Anything else that you want to share with our ministry leaders? Uh, I have not micturated on any puppies or flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, Marcel, where can they find you? Uh, Go to CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com. And uh, if, it, uh, you know, if, if somebody actually goes to CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com because of this podcast, then God have mercy on your soul. Oh, be nice, Marcel. Mm. You're so self-deprecating. That's because, yeah, I am. I Actually, my spiritual director tells me I have to stop calling myself things like, you're dumb. I have to stop doing that. You know? Stop calling yourself bald and all that yeah, stuff. No, though, it's, it's yeah, I'm not dumb. <laughs> yeah, I do dumb right. things. That's right. That's right. And we all do. Amen. All right, guys, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Play, Stitcher, MLAPodcast.com, and you can email us at MLA at ablazeyouth.org. Write us a review on iTunes, share this with other ministry leaders, and subscribe to the podcast. And MySpace. 
and MySpace. That's MySpace. Yes. <laughs> nope. Special <laughs> thanks to uh, Marcel for joining us today. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders that they might be disciples. Amen. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you. God bless. Y'all are awkward when y'all read that stuff. (laughs) Like, hey, we have this natural organic conversation. And now we're going to read our catchphrases. Just say God bless. That's how we say goodbye to our listeners. I want Um, want Kyle to include this. This is the this God is the bless. perfect ending. There we go. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs>